0: Good morning. The rules around the First Amendment and social media are still being worked out, and Loudon is once again breaking new legal ground. This week, a federal appeals court ruled County Chair Phyllis Randall violated a Loudner's First Amendment rights by blocking him on Facebook. For Friday, January 11th, it's your Loudon Now Morning Minute. Did you know that Loudoun County has some of the lowest charitable giving rates in Virginia? It's true. I'm Amy Owen, President of the Community Foundation, inviting you to take a few minutes to learn more at FacesofLoudoun.org. Not only do we share the data, but dozens of stories that portray our neighbors in need here at home, citizens who are leaders in philanthropy, and volunteers who make a difference every day. Help make Loudoun County one of the most charitable in Virginia. Visit FacesofLoudon.org, a program of the Community Foundation for Loudon and Northern Fauquier Counties. We connect donors who care with causes that matter. Today's Morning Minute is brought to you by the Community Foundation for Loudon and Northern Fauquier Counties. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rince Green. On Monday, a federal appeals court upheld a decision that county chair Phyllis Randall violated a Loudner's constitutional rights by blocking him on Facebook, prompting a landmark lawsuit that is a step toward settling some of the murky rules of First Amendment law on social media. In February 2016, Brian Davison posted on her Chair Phyllis J. Randall Facebook page alleging conflicts of interest and corruption by school board members and their families, a complaint Davison has made before in other public forums. Randall deleted the post and blocked him and then decided to unblock him the next day. The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled Randall was acting in her capacity as a public official when she blocked Davison and deleted his comment. She said she had no idea whether Davison's allegations of corruption were true, but banned him anyway, viewing his allegations as slanderous. Writing for the court, Judge James A. Wynn Jr. wrote, quote, Randall's decision to ban Davison because of his allegation of governmental corruption constitutes black-letter viewpoint discrimination. Put simply, Randall unconstitutionally sought to suppress Davison's opinions that there was corruption on the school board, end quote. The case has drawn attention in national media and filings from the American Civil Liberties Union, academic institutions at Columbia University and Georgetown University, and other legal scholars. It has been cited as a possible guide to the legal implications of how President Donald Trump uses another social media platform, Twitter. He has blocked his critics there. The ruling could mean elected officials need to take another look at how they handle social media. Loudoun County attorney Leo Rogers said he's working to establish new guidelines for public officials on using social media. He said that if an elected official determines that a page is a public page relating to their elected capacity rather than a truly private page, and if they decide to allow comments, there will have to be a social media policy. Before they delete any comments, there will have to be a review process, including notifying the person who made the comment before deleting anything. After the ruling, Randall briefly took down her Facebook page and said she's trying to disable comments on it going forward. She said she will still post on the page, and all of the comments posted to the page before she took it down will still be visible. But to contact her, she said, constituents will have to use email. This ruling may give other courts some guidance as they tackle cases dealing with social media and the First Amendment, but the court's opinion also points to some other complicated legal questions. In their published opinion, the judges contemplated conflicts between the First Amendment restrictions on the government and the content rules on privately owned social media networks. Wynne wrote that there may be an argument that a public official could violate the First Amendment by using a website for a public forum if that website has more restrictive rules than are allowed to public officials. He gave the example of putting a public forum on a social media site that only allowed members of one political party to post in comment, which he wrote would seem to violate the First Amendment even if the partisan restriction was imposed by the private company and not by the government body. He said that would seem to be no different to a municipality holding a town hall meeting in a place that didn't let people in from a particular political party. Judge Barbara Milano Keenan agreed with the other judges on the court, but wrote a separate concurring opinion in part to delve deeper into this. She gave the example of a person saying things on a public official's Facebook page that are protected against government censorship under the First Amendment, but which a privately owned company can prohibit in their own rules. So theoretically, while a government official can't delete some comment, if it violated Facebook's rules, that government official could report it to the platform and have Facebook delete it, effectively circumventing First Amendment protections. Anyway, go to loudonnow.com morningminute morning minute to check out the whole story. In other news, the Loudoun County School Board has adopted its new policy on when and how students can be restrained or placed in seclusion. This new policy comes almost a year after parents raised concerns that discipline of special education students sometimes involves physically restraining them or shutting them in a room alone for hours at a time. The board's new policy, for example, says seclusion should rarely be used for students younger than nine years old and that seclusion should not exceed 30 minutes. Superintendent of Pupil Services Asia Jones said she and the division's legal team did not recommend adding that paragraph. She said what happens is that and there's an event that requires more intervention, you're taking away a tool to do so. School board member Joy Maloney, who worked on that language, said the age and time limit is a common standard in other states. School board member Chris Kroll, who worked on the new policies on a committee before being elected to the school board, said parents are concerned that without specific rules, seclusion will be misused. She said we need to be cognizant of the damage this practice can have on children. There is also a rule that a school administrator must contact a student's parent or guardian to notify them if restraint or seclusion has been used on that child, along with any related first aid. School board members said their goal is to eliminate the use of restraint and seclusion altogether. Speaking of the school board, they are almost set to hand over the site of the former Douglas Elementary School on Union Street in Leesburg to the county government. The board's Finance and Facilities Committee has signed off on a plan to surplus the property to the county and suggested the county either give or rent the historic schoolhouse known as the Union Street School to the Loudoun Freedom Center. That building served the county's black students from the early 1880s to 1958, first as the Leesburg Training School, then the Leesburg Colored School, and later as Douglas Elementary School. For the past 75 years, the school system has used it for storage. The Loudoun Freedom Center has said they want to restore the building and reopen it as a museum with the history of black education in Loudoun in that building. When the school system surpluses a building, it goes automatically to the county. The county disposes of it how it will. The school system will just likely recommend it goes to the Loudoun Freedom Center, but county chair Randall said she expects the county will support that plan. And for the first time in more than a decade, the Percival Volunteer Fire Company is getting a new chief. Fire chief Bob Dryden stepped down last month after 13 years in the job and 28 years with Company 2. Former assistant fire chief Scott Maple, who has more than 13 years with the company himself, will be stepping into his shoes. Dryden said that he decided to not put his name in for re-election as fire chief because he wants to focus on his health and because he might have a career opportunity with the town in the next budget year. His career as a firefighter started back in 1989 when he enlisted as a volunteer with the Blue Ridge Fire Company in Clark County. Two years later, he moved to Percival, and 12 years after that, he was elected assistant fire chief. He was elected chief in 2005 and had the job from then until last month except for a one-year hiatus. For Bob Dryden, firefighting isn't just a job, it's a family affair. Growing up in New Mexico, his father served as an assistant fire chief. His wife, Robin, is also a Percival volunteer firefighter, and in fact, she's been doing it a good deal longer than him. Her father founded Blue Ridge Fire Company, and she started there when she was 16 years old. Company 2 president Brad Quinn said while well, Dryden has been with the company, he's gotten high quality equipment, donated equipment to other companies in need, helped the company grow to more than 100 members, helped get county funding, and been a vocal member of the county committee that sets policy for the county's fire rescue system. He is also the guy that other jurisdictions look to when they want to learn about rural water supply techniques. In other words, he's the guy you looked to for pulling water from ponds and streams when fighting fires out in the countryside. The Loudoun County Combined Fire Rescue System honored him with the Leadership Award in 2012, the Hall of Fame Award in 2017, and the John C. Carr Jr. Memorial Award in 2018. Read more about his career and about the guy stepping into the job in the story on our website and get the full story on this and all these stories over at loudounnow.com. On today's Get Out Loud and Calendar, Old Ox Brewery in Ashburn is releasing their Hazy Pale Ale today at 2.30 p.m. You can only get it in the tasting room and Saffron Gourmet will be on hand and Andy Hawk will be on stage starting at 6.30 p.m. Atlantis in Sterling is hosting Bruce Thomas for the After Work Jazz Concert Series starting at 7 p.m. He's been on stage since he was three. He's performed across the Mid-Atlantic, and he's been an actor in film, on stage, in commercials, soap operas, and primetime TV. And he'll be there tonight singing jazz, pop, swing, and R&B. And it's the Friday Night Dance Party at McDowell Brew Kitchen in Leesburg from 8.30 p.m. to 1 in the morning. Get the details on these events and check out the rest of the events calendar at getoutloudon.com. And if you like the Morning Minute, tell us on our Facebook page. Tell all your friends on their Facebook pages and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And it'll be waiting for you there every morning. Okay. Have a great weekend and have a great day.